0: Mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Nature's Big Show is just six weeks from today. Author Jamie Sandberg talks about her new children's book, All About the Solar Eclipse, and how to get your kids excited for an event we won't see again here for another 75 years. Also this morning, romance scams get a lot of attention this time of year, but a new analysis finds they actually account for less than 15% of reported frauds in the state of Ohio. Take a closer look at the cons people are far more likely to fall for. And the highlight in March at the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts will be the youth theater production of Disney's Finding Nemo Jr. We'll get a preview of what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, February 26th, 2024. So this is really interesting. Uh, The upcoming total solar eclipse. Uh, which is six weeks from today. Uh, I don't know if you have planned your wardrobe for this, <laughs> but if not, you might want to give some thought. Apparently, the solar eclipse provides an opportunity to dust off and wear your ugly Christmas sweater, uh, which apparently will be the perfect attire for the event. The phenomenon of the perginchi. Effect Is that how you pronounce it? The Purkinje effect. P-U-R-K-I-N-J-E. Purkinje effect. Uh, This happens during the the eclipse. It alters color perception. Yeah. Uh, Reds and yellows will appear faded while greens and blues will seem brighter. For some reason. I don't know why that is, but they call it the Purkinje effect. Uh, The online retailer Solar Eyeglasses suggests that the eclipse experience can turn into a real life science demonstration on clothing. As the sky darkens, warm colors like red or orange may be less visible, and bright green is recommended, while neutral colors such as black, white, or gray are advised against. You're advised not to wear neutral colors like black, white, and gray. Uh, as they may blend in with the shadow of the eclipse. So now is the time to start thinking, apparently, about your eclipse wardrobe. Who knew? Who knew? This is important information uh, to know this morning. You have six weeks to do your eclipse wardrobe shopping. Some of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Now, this is big news. According to the International Dairy Foods Association, chocolate chip ice cream is no longer one of America's favorites. You heard that right. Chocolate chip is no longer one of America's ice cream uh, favorite flavors. Instead, cookies and cream takes the uh, top spot in 2024, followed by Plain old ordinary vanilla, chocolate, and mint chocolate chip. Just regular chocolate chip, nowhere to be found. Bluebell Creameries used to offer vanilla chocolate chip as a core offering, but it has since become less of a priority, the company says, because people aren't buying it as much. It's not. What, it, what kind of a world are we living in? And chocolate chip is not one of our favorite ice cream flavors. Mint chocolate chip, okay, but um, flavors like salted caramel have instead become trendy now. These are the fastest rising uh, flavors in popularity. Those um, uh, trendy, uh, I don't know, what's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, sort of crafty, uh, craft uh, creation, that salted caramel. 2022 survey found that 58 percent of consumers reported purchasing a premium ice cream while only 24 percent recall purchasing regular ice cream premium ice cream has less air churned in which gives it a richer texture they say so premium ice creams are uh, the the trendy thing in these designer flavors, these fancy flavors, salted caramel. I'm a mint chocolate chip guy. So I, you know, that's, that's where I uh, generally default to, but I'll go for, so I just don't get into the, you know, the designer flavors of ice cream. I'm more a traditionalist. So, you know, yeah, vanilla is fine. Mint chocolate chip. Um, Cookies and cream is about as out there as I get with uh, with ice cream but i just thought that was uh it was big news uh chocolate chip just plain old chocolate chip no longer one of america's favorites i it's, it's just a crazy just a crazy world we are living in this is interesting data um and i think uh this week we're gonna get data on home sales is that we get uh we get home sales uh yeah new home sales figures come out today And so this was kind of interesting ahead of that. A new report finds that Americans are holding on to their homes twice as long as they did 20 years ago, uh, with older generations finding fewer motivations to sell and move. The average U.S. homeowner has spent just short of 12 years in their home. Uh, Two decades ago, the average was six and a half years that the the average uh, person or family has spent in the home that they currently occupy. So we have nearly doubled the amount of time we spend in a home. Um, this is according to data from the real estate brokerage firm Redfin. While the time that homeowners stay put has fallen from the 2020 peak of almost 14 years, many incentives motivating folks to move have since flattened. Other economic indicators suggest the same. U.S. existing home sales hit a 30-year low last year, according to the National Association of Realtors, as homeowners remained locked in by their lower mortgage rates. The trend was most prevalent among baby boomers, many of whom are retiring, as both rates and home prices remain elevated. Um, But I I thought that was uh, really interesting. And what I immediately jumped to is what about We talk about 20 years ago. What about two generations ago when people would buy a home and stay in it their entire lives? I mean, we talk about 12 years as a long time to remain in the same home up from six and a half years two decades ago. But what about generations ago when people would buy a home and settle in? It would become the family homestead. You know, your grandparents, um, you know, my parents stayed in the first home they bought their entire lives. Um, and so and that, that home is still in the family. So, no, no, it's just kind of interesting. Uh, these days we think of 12 years as being an extraordinarily long time to remain in a home. But a couple of generations ago, that would have been just, just getting started in establishing a homestead it's kind of interesting uh, generationally if you look big picture and by the way speaking of our homes wall street journal has a new report and i thought this was kind of interesting too an odd discrepancy in the world of home appliances prices since 2013 have actually decreased the prices of home appliances have decreased over the past decade and yet americans on average are spending 40% more on them than they did 10 years ago. Um, The report says an average of $558 spent on home appliances last year compared to $390 in 2013. And yet prices have actually decreased on average. So what gives? Big part of the answer is that our refrigerators, our washers and dryers, our dishwashers, our ovens just don't last as long as they used to. Their high-tech functions require more and more complex parts, which means a lot more things that can go wrong. And when they go wrong, they are more expensive. One informal metric shows that uh, Yelp users uh, looked up 58% more quotes for appliance repair in January of 2023 than the year before. 58% 58% more quotes for appliance repair uh, in 23 versus 2022. Kind of interesting. Appliances are getting less, but we're spending more on them. Uh, so here is the deal on a Monday. you Most of us stress out on Mondays, right? You have to go back to work after the long weekend and nobody wants that, right? <laughs> Got to go back to work. It can be stressful. And then Mondays, something always happens on a Monday that will stress you out. Well, if that sounds like you and you need a little unwinding, you might want to think about spending some time in Glendale, California. According to the website origami.org, Glendale is the most relaxing city in America. They used data from online search trends and looked at 100 cities uh, across several metrics, their access to green spaces and other places to unwind, uh, how eagerly their residents look to de-stress, whether it be by partaking in pottery classes, relaxing with yoga, getting massages, or whatever else helps them chill out. So they looked at all of these ways that people have to de-stress and found that Glendale, California is the most relaxing city in America, followed by Garden Grove, California. Bellevue, Washington, placed third in the ranking. Alexandria, Virginia was number four. And Hollywood, Florida, rounds out the top five. So those are your top five most relaxing cities. Um, The Golden State of California, incidentally, boasts five of the top ten cities in the list. Huntington Beach was at number six. Hayward, California, number eight. And Corona, California, at number nine. For the record, the least relaxing cities were determined to be Houston, Texas, New York, New York, and Fort Worth, Texas. And the only Ohio city to make the top 100 as the most relaxing in the country. The only Ohio city on the top 100 list is Columbus at number 91. So, there you go. I'm glad that... You know that now for this Monday. And lastly, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories uh, of the day this I left me scratching my head. Marine researchers. This is the report. Marine researchers, they say that they have discovered over 100 new species during an expedition off the coast of Chile. During the Schmidt Ocean Institute expedition, researchers identified species including deep sea corals, glass sponges, sea urchins, and squat lobsters. 100 new species that they discovered. And so my immediate question was, if they were new species that we did not know about before, how do they know what to call them? (laughs) I mean, they have a list of what the species are. If they're new, how did you know what to call them? Mind blown. There you go. Some of the most interesting (laughs) and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. This is
1: I'm Dave James on the Ohio News Network. An investigation continues after a fatal plane crash in southern Ohio. in Eric Brown reports. Three men killed in a single-engine plane crash near Jackson Saturday have been identified by authorities. According to the Jackson County Sheriff's Office, the pilot, Jackson Baker, and two passengers, his father, Robert Baker, and friend, Zebulon Logan, died in the crash. According to reports, the group was traveling to Florida to pick up a vehicle that Logan had just bought. The National Transportation Safety Board, FAA, and the Ohio Highway Patrol are all looking into the crash. Eric Brown, ONN News. A 47-year-old man was shot and killed in Akron late Friday night. And late Saturday morning, a 16-year-old boy was arrested in connection to that shooting. Police say they recovered a handgun and other evidence from the home where the boy lives in Akron. A somber service was held in Cleveland on Saturday, marking an anniversary. Lindsay Buckingham with Owen and affiliate
0: WKYC TV reports.
2: Hundreds of local Ukrainians, religious and
0: political leaders gathered at St. John Cathedral in Cleveland to remember and pray for the lives lost and families displaced in the two years since Russia invaded Ukraine.
3: May God hasten the day when we all unite. To celebrate victory. Lindsey
0: Buckingham in Cleveland. For more state news,
1: go to onnradio.com. I'm Dave James on the Ohio News Network.
0: we count down to April's total solar eclipse, there is this buzz here in Northwest Ohio about how lucky we are to be in the path of totality for this event. But for little kids, especially, who just don't fully get how big of a deal this is and certainly are too young to understand all of the hype, Jamie Sandberg is with us this morning. She is the author of the new children's book, Total Solar Eclipse, A Stellar Friendship Story. And Jamie, you've actually been through this before with the eclipse of uh, 2017 right
4: i have i was so lucky just like you are that it came right and um, through my backyard and i have to say <laughs> that at that time i was kind of like those kids i didn't really understand the hype um and then i saw it and whew, boy i went from um being a little bit like meh about it to you know wanting to chase the next one and be here with you to share a children's book so that hopefully you guys can appreciate it
0: better than I did. So so what is the message that you you want to impart uh, to children uh, with the book about this uh, eclipse coming up here in just a few weeks?
4: Yeah, so my book really does two things. Um, It teaches them how to safely watch a solar eclipse, and it's for ages four and up, but probably even could be younger. Um, I've definitely heard from people who are – sharing it with their kids who are loving it younger than four. So um, it teaches everybody how to safely watch one. And then it also... shares a sweet message of friendship and teamwork about how we can work together and be even better together like a total solar eclipse the sun and the moon are better together they shine in ways that um, they can't on their own
0: so uh, there's there's less of a narrative story here so much as uh, kind of uh, imparting information and uh, again talking about that relationship between the moon and the sun and it's it's more informational than narrative
4: it's funny because it's actually categorized as informational fiction okay (laughs) okay yeah so it's it does everything. It is um, it is a fictional story. It's told from the sun's perspective. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine what sun's feeling as moon is getting ready to, you know, take its spotlight during the day. And it kind of goes through what the sun would feel. It's worried that earthlings aren't going to protect their eyes. And it's um, worried about its star power being less. And then it's worried, it's mad at moon. And then as they go through and they see, you know, um, experienced the eclipse unfolds and the different um, phases. And then when they experience totality and they understand and sun understands that moon didn't try to steal its light, that they're actually it helped it shine in a different way. But when you go through that fictional story, you do learn the phases of the eclipse or at least the way that we want kids to understand it, to be able to watch it safely. Mm -hmm. So it's a unique thing in that it is imparting that information, but it's doing it in through
0: storytelling yeah and and certainly at a level that uh, younger kids can understand so yes. what what advice would you have uh for those with small children about uh watching the eclipse and preparing for the eclipse and so on obviously the book uh, book is a good place to start what advice would you have yes. for parents with respect to this event
4: right i mean there's i mean People are fearful, and it's understandable that you know they don't want their kids to get hurt, um, and everybody totally understands that. I think we can be take heart that in the 2017 eclipse, um, there were 215 million people who are you know have. Um, who watched it and there were just very, very few, um, not even a handful of cases of, of, um, eye damage and they were actually older people. Um, so I think we can, we can know that, right? Um, but the biggest thing is to prepare in advance, whether you're young or old, but especially if you're young. Um, at least for my family, our mornings go so much smoother when we lay out our clothes and pack our backpacks the night before. And that's how viewing the eclipses. is. It's more fun and um, it's just a safer experience if everyone is prepared in advance. And like you said, the book can spark that conversation in a fun way. And this is one of those books where it's actually great if kids want to read it over and over again because it just reinforces that message. So, you know, get it now and then you can start reading it and really start um, using it to explain the eclipse. And then there's a memory page in the back, which is probably my favorite part. So after the eclipse is over, you can... Write down your family's experience and share it for decades to come. And those of us who have seen an eclipse, we love nothing more than to talk about it. So it's (laughs) one of those great excuses to get it out. Oh, hey, grandkids, would you like to read a book? And uh, hear about my travel experiences, you know. Just anything that happened in my own backyard.
0: Exactly, because uh, it is a, a very unique opportunity, as we've, uh, as we've said, to have this uh, event happening right here in our own backyard. And because you have been through this before, I do want to ask you about this. Uh, we've also been talking about what we can expect in terms of the influx of sightseers that we're likely to get. And again, you've been through this before. What is it really like to be in that path of totality with all of the eclipse chasers and and all of that
4: hype? Oh my gosh, Uh, just prepare. Um, And then if you have the chance to stay wherever you're watching the eclipse for a little bit afterwards, Everybody tries to leave right after totality. It's like leaving a football game right when it gets over. But if you hang out, you know, and um just finish your popcorn or whatever and wait, you know, an hour or so, the stadium's empty, right? The um the parking lot's empty. So um that would be that would I would just say hang tight, um, or you know, pack snacks and whatever you need in your car because you could get in a traffic jam, even it. it could be difficult even just driving across town. Yeah. Truly. I mean, we, like I said, we lived in a rural area and, um, this, you know, this interstate that normally is just more antelope than people had just a completely stopped traffic jam for wow. hours. Yeah. So it is crazy, but it is, it is, it is worth it. I'm telling you. And, um, it's a great opportunity, the tourism that will come to town. I mean, it's a great economic opportunity for the area and, mm-hmm. Um, and even with my book, if people out there are excited about it and um, we're actually even offering some fundraising opportunities with the book. So if you want to set up a booth and, you know, and make some money for your organization, reach out. But there are just so many things. I mean, kids will sell lemonade. They'll do all kinds of fun things. Um, so just embrace it. Just enjoy the experience. That's, that's it. And, that's
0: it. And are you going to, now that you've uh, experienced this one, you're going to be among those who are uh, traveling to see this again uh, in April? Hey.
4: Yeah, <laughs> Yep. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm taking my kids out of school, and uh, and we're going to be heading south um, to go to this one. We have some family down in Texas, so we're going to be heading that yeah. way. It's going to be an adventure, but I just can't wait.
0: Yeah. Um. It, it's going to be uh just an incredible number of people all along that path of totality. It's something we're going to take a deep breath, but embrace it because, like we said, it just doesn't happen in any one spot uh, with any uh, kind of uh, frequency so i mean it's just uh, uh, a yeah. you know really terrific thing again uh, jamie sandberg is the author of total solar eclipse a stellar friendship story kids book to explain the to, to the littles uh, all about why this is a big deal and uh, how to watch it safely where do we get more information jamie
4: Sure. Um, you can go to the book's website, SolarEclipseBook.com, and we've got you know special bundles for classrooms and bulk order discounts, um, that kind of thing. And then we've got some great tips on our blog. So SolarEclipseBook.com.
0: Jamie, thanks very much for taking the time. Certainly, best of luck in uh, chasing the eclipse, and best of luck with the book.
4: Thank you. And here's the clear skies on April eighth. You know,
0: this time of year, in the weeks leading up to and immediately after Valentine's Day, romance scams get a lot of attention. We've talked about that on this program numerous times in the month of February. Understandably so. It's very timely. However, I thought this was kind of interesting. A new analysis finds that romance scams actually account for less than 15% of all reported frauds in Ohio. I want to take a closer look at that and some of the other cons that people are far more likely to fall for with Lane Monts, He is president and CEO of the Better Business Bureau of Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan. Lane, thanks for joining us once again. We appreciate it.
1: Uh, Thanks, Chris, for having me. Glad to be here.
0: I thought this was really interesting analysis. It comes from the uh, QR code generator company, QRFY. They analyze data from the Federal Trade Commission to find out what are the most common frauds in the state of Ohio. And imposter scams, which include romance scams, account for 14% overall. And so when you think about romance scams, uh, they're only one of many imposter scams, so the actual number is uh, is actually far lower than even 15%. Again, it gets a lot of attention this time of year, uh, understandably, but turns out not anywhere close to the most common types of scams that people are likely to fall for.
1: No, but they, it is a good attention grabber, and it, and it does uh, give us a chance to connect with the audience about scams. I think one of the main reasons why it's not uh, as high a percentage as people might think is just because there are so many types of scams. So when you start cutting 100% up among, you know, 10 or 12 different types of scams, all the numbers are lower than you think.
0: Yeah, Uh, that is a a valid point. It is kind of interesting. uh, They find that identity theft remains the number one form of uh, of scam. And I, again, I, it's something that I think we talked about the last time we spoke with you on the program. It's easy to see why identity theft is the most popular scam because the payoff is potentially so much higher.
1: Well, the payoff is a lot higher. And, and I think, uh you know, you include in imposter scams and identity scams the fact that they are, Grabbing your personal information mm-hmm. for one, two, three, untold many scams down the road. So they they can use that information in many, many different ways. It's just a ge- more generalized definition, yeah, than, uh, than specific scams. So yes, it that, that is a problem, and you have to be on guard because it can. It's the gateway. It's the gateway scam that leads to others yeah. quite
0: often. I, I again, and and I've said it said it before. I mean, if I can, if I am a, in a con artist, and I can I can scam you out of five hundred dollars today, or I can get your identity uh, information, all of that uh, information, and scam you out of thousands of dollars potentially over and over and over again that's going to be sort of the, the gold mine for me. So it just underscores the importance of protecting all of this, and in this day and age, it's becoming more and more difficult to do.
1: So, you know, military strategists always talk about the biggest danger for armies is they're always fighting the last war, and the new war comes in a different form. And I think that's a good analogy with scams. Uh, if you get scammed on a small-dollar amount or even a medium-dollar amount, you're going to ramp up your defenses against that scam, but of course, the next time you get scammed, it might very well be a different approach. And so you have to you have to be careful not to fall uh, prey to that. That yeah. you're always fighting the last scam you got taken on, and are not on guard for the new ones coming
0: out. Which is kind of one of the reasons why we want to highlight this morning some of the things other than romance scams we talk about protecting ourselves about the from this. Uh, again, because it's very timely uh, in in the month of February, but there are so many other ways that we also have to protect ourselves, and we don't want to forget about any of those. I thought it was kind of interesting um, that some of the uh, scams that are most common in the state of Ohio uh, on their list uh, are ones that you know we've talked about are they're not new things credit bureau uh, scams. Uh, information furnishers, and uh, report users, people who fall for the old trick of, I'm going to clean up your credit if you pay me money.
1: Oh, yeah. That's, that one actually has been around for, for some time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, all scams, Chris, have a very big psychological component. You know, even if you go back to the days of the traveling medicine show and, you know, the, and even before that, Um, successful scammers, successful fraudsters look for people that are in an emotional state and and need help or are backed into a corner. And that puts you in an emotional state. And when you're in an emotional state, psychologically, you're just not thinking as clearly. And that's what they want. That's what all fraudsters, scammers, grifters want, is they want to keep you in that emotional state and out of the rational state. And when it comes to credit scores, you know if you're trying to get your life on track you need to make some necessary purchases or take out a loan that credit score is important and even legitimate companies in the past ten or fifteen years there's been kind of an explosion in advertising of different apps and programs and processes to increase your credit score perhaps creating in the mind of the public an oversized belief that you have to have an amazing credit score to have an amazing life
0: Mm Uh along those same lines again, preying on our concern over uh financial issues that might uh you know ding our ability to get a loan or get a credit card or uh end up in debt collection those debt collection scams and uh health care scams promising. Uh, lower costs for health insurance or prescription drugs, those, uh, again, are also uh, some of the more common ones that people fall for in the state of Ohio. Again, according to this analysis of FTC data and the reports that they've received about people who have been scammed in Ohio.
1: So there's one scam that we uh, see most often. We don't hear a lot of health care scams, but there is one that's related to that topic. And, you know, Medicare, if you are on Medicare mm-hmm. or, or getting close to that age, they will provide you with quarterly reports on the Medicare spend under your account. And um we saw since COVID we saw a big uptick in fraudulent COVID test kit charges. So and and people didn't even know uh, the fraudsters were billing Medicare for um COVID tests that, you know, were never provided to anyone and not even ordered. And in some cases uh, they were able to trick people into ordering them, and then they they instead of one, they would have, you know, 15. So we saw an uptick in that again last fall when the uh, September 1 reports came out, and a number of older folks that were on Medicare called in and said, you know, there's the, all these charges related to COVID testing and COVID treatment that I never heard of, never ordered. They're on my account. And um, Medicare has acknowledged it is a problem that comes from... Remember, I talked about identity theft as a gateway scam Mm -hmm. that comes from people's private uh, information being hacked in some fashion, being sold to a fraudster out there. You know, they sell them in bulks of, you know, millions of data at a time. And then the fraudsters use computer programs to worm their way into the Medicare system to create these fraudulent charges, posing as doctors, posing as Healthcare professionals, right, and um, so I, we always just encourage people on Medicare review that report. Even though it's easy to just say, "Ah, the government's paying it." I'm not going to read it. We, it does hurt everyone. It hurts all taxpayers. Yeah. Review that report to see if all the medical charges on there were, in fact, provided. Well,
0: and again, that can get you into trouble and something that we've talked about in the in the past, but maybe not often enough, that uh, if you get defrauded for something uh, Medicare-related that you didn't need, and then you do need that service on down the line or that product on down the line, Medicare can reject the uh, the payment for the legitimate uh, need because they've already paid out uh, a claim for that particular product or service or whatever it might happen to be.
1: That's a great point, yeah. actually. That's uh, a great point. Yeah.
0: Um, and we mentioned that oftentimes uh, scammers will play uh, will prey on people's fears. The other thing that they will play pr- prey on, excuse me, uh, is people's greed. Uh, sweepstakes and lottery scam, prize scams uh are uh, still very popular
1: it's hard to believe it's hard to believe sometimes that those are still successful uh and yet every month we have at least a couple of people come through our door and bring us a letter that says they've won the sweepstakes you, you not always a uh, publisher's clearinghouse but still that scam, that particular yeah. scam is still around yeah but they bring in letters or mailers that say they've won and uh, outlining a process for them to, quote, claim their prize by sending money, transferring money, wiring money, sending per- prepaid gift card numbers to claim their prize. And it's, it, does, it is surprising that that scam has stood the test of time. I think it's probably, in one form or another, at least 30 to 35 years old. But, of course, uh, prize places, it's protect- particularly Publishers Clearinghouse, they're not going to ask you to provide any money to, quote, secure your sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. If you win, you win. And and also, of course, publishers clearinghouse shows up. They don't announce it over the phone. They don't call you first. Right. It's uh they have a specific process and yeah. it's not it's not to get you to pay ahead of time. And
0: oldie but a goodie, but I guess the reason why it keeps <laughs> coming up is because it works. I mean, if it didn't work, then the uh, scam would go away, but the the fact that all of these scams work is one of the reasons why we see them over and over again with so many that are out there how do uh, consumers protect themselves against uh, all of them i mean you know what's what's the what's the magic bullet
1: well the first magic bullet is you got to stay current on what's going on in society mm-hmm. if you're not, if you're not connected to some degree and of course like this radio program your radio program that's always helping your audience uh, and there's others out there as well you have to stay connected and informed if you begin to lose touch you will fall behind and then it's much harder it's just like learning to use the tv remote if you haven't learned it in 10 years it's right. much harder to to catch up on it right. and and um i can give a a really good example of that situation but that is i think the first and foremost also of course reviewing your um bank statements reviewing your investment accounts making sure that you know surprises aren't on there just keeping tabs on your own uh, situation, and then just being on guard for an emotional hook that gets you thinking. Either I hate to say greed; I don't want, like to use that. I want to say hope or expectancy mm-hmm. is is another form of emotion that grifters look for, right. as well as fear. And just keeping just keeping yourself in check and learning to pump the brakes before you click something online or confirm some sort of monetary transaction. But I do have a I do have a a great example I want to talk about um, when you're ready Sure. about how falling behind on technology and keeping losing connection with what's going on in society can really hurt.
0: Yeah, uh, share that with us.
1: Yeah, and also this touches on <clears throat> uh, numbers four and six in the in the most common scams in Ohio. So number Which would four be... being online shopping and number six being auto-related. Yeah. These two, this story goes together, and it shows how if you fall behind a little bit, you can really get surprised. So we we had a gentleman call. This was about a month and a half ago. He had uh, been shopping for a used car online. You know, they're not that easy to find, especially at a good price. He found one. uh, It was actually a truck. He found one for sale up in Detroit. He lives in Toledo from I I don't remember the third-party site, but it was not eBay. But it was like a site like a Facebook marketplace where people will post things for sale. Mm -hmm. So... He reached out. The uh, The seller gave them the story that they were, you know, uh, be deploying to the military overseas and needed to unload the truck quickly. That's why the price was low. And um, they had him wire transfer through Western Union, the uh, a, a significant down payment for the truck. And then they would release it, and he could go up and get it off the lot. Uh, and it was being sold through a dealership even, a used car dealership, which added credibility. Yeah. And they said, actually, it's for sale on eBay Motors. And they sent him a link to the listing on eBay Motors, and he was able to review that truck. It looked just like eBay Motors' site. In fact, it was a copycat site that they had created. Hmm. It was pictures of a truck that, you know, may have existed at one time, may even still exist, but they just dropped those pictures into this fake ad when he went on there to complete the transfer. It really didn't connect with eBay, but it sure looked like it did.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, wow. really convincing. Yeah. So it, we took, it took us a, over an hour to convince this gentleman that it was a fake and that mm-hmm. his money was probably gone. And he was quite angry at eBay, and and uh, he didn't really understand the concept that uh, there could be right. a fake site that looked real yeah. and went somewhere else.
0: Yeah. Uh, again, uh, always got to be on guard. Again, like we, like we said, romance scams get a lot of attention, far from the only or even the more co- most common scam uh, that people will encounter. Uh, so just emphasizing the point, always have to be uh, on guard. Again, Lane Mons is president and CEO of the Better Business Bureau of Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan with us this morning. Lane, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
1: Chris, I appreciate it up to myself. Thanks very much.
0: By the way, uh, one uh, highlight from uh, this report uh, that we referenced, the uh, FTC uh, data, Ohio was found to be the 44th most defrauded state in the U.S. So we're actually uh, toward the bottom of the list, which is good, but it's still more than $154 million lost last year in the state of Ohio, even at number 44 tells you something
1: you're listening to good mornings with chris oaks on 1330 wfin WFIN wfin.com and 95.5 fm
0: we interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert the inaugural florida man games were held on saturday Poking fun at Florida's reputation for producing bizarre news stories, the Man Games decided to take some of those bizarre things that Florida is famous for and actually turn them into events. (laughs) Competitors engaged in showdowns including grabbing cash in a simulated hurricane, wrestling while holding a beer, and the theft simulation relay. (laughs) I like that. The Theft Simulation Review. Uh James Gordon won the very first event by eating a plate of barbecue pork and sausage. He says, "I've lived in Florida my whole life. They call these bizarre events. I call it Tuesday afternoon." <laughs> um and he managed to drop an ex- expletive uh in that sentence too as he uh, as he bragged about it. Um One of the other competitors, uh, Larry Donnelly, actually trained for the uh, relay race, the theft simulation relay race, by riding a bicycle with another bicycle strapped to his back. (laughs) His training was bizarre. Uh, Mr. Donnelly said, quote, I have an absolute disregard for self-preservation. I will do anything, unquote. (laughs) Well everyone should have an aspiration in life i suppose there you go the results of the first ever florida man games <laughs> on saturday uh again celebrating the state's penchant for uh odd news and we wouldn't want to disappoint we have another story out of uh, the sunshine state three people in florida are now facing kidnapping charges after the alleged victim told a McDonald's employee to call police. Here's the story. Police say a 33-year-old man was kidnapped last week outside of a Walmart in Sweetwater, Florida, which is near Miami. He was apparently lured to the site by a woman he knew, and when he got there, a man forced him into a U-Haul. That's when they drove to the nearby McDonald's, and the uh, victim was somehow able to uh, ask for help at that juncture. The suspects took off before police could get there, but officers caught up to them. The woman and two men were taken into custody. The victim was not seriously hurt. <laughs> the a bizarre U-Haul kidnapping of a 33-year-old man. I don't know what it was all about, but at least it ended well. This is the... Uh, unusual theft of the day i don't i don't know what to make of this uh it happened in ben salem pennsylvania police are searching for a man who stole more than one thousand dollars worth of lego toys two weeks ago from a local department store uh sources say it happened at, well not a department stores at uh, barnes and noble in the local mall there in ben salem pennsylvania the uh, suspect is described as a heavy-set Caucasian man uh, wearing a puffy winter jacket, sweatpants, and a gray cap. Reportedly, made off with five specialty boxes of the ever-popular building blocks. Five boxes, <laughs> valued at more than a thousand dollars. With which, something about the uh, cost of the Legos. Five boxes, the thousand dollars. Police are say they are hoping to put all the pieces together. And track down the suspect. Get it? Put all the pieces together as the Lego thief. What are you going to do with uh, with that? Um, uh, Let's see. A couple of other uh, items in the uh, broken news. Uh, This is a sad story that nonetheless actually made me chuckle. You remember the story of Flacco the Owl. Um, This owl has lived in Central Park in New York City uh, since last year. Well, now he has passed away, according to the Wildlife Conservation Society. Uh, Flacco is a Eurasian eagle owl that went missing from the Central Park Zoo and managed to evade capture for months. I mean, last year we had this uh, story. He became a symbol of survival and defiance. The assumption was when the owl escaped That because he had spent his life in captivity, he wouldn't know how to hunt and survive on his own. But he did. He managed to survive and thrive, and he managed to evade capture. What made me chuckle about the sad ending to the story of Flacco the Owl, it appears, and I'm just reading this here, it appears New York's beloved Flacco collided with a building on 89th Street. (laughs) He collided with a building on 89th Street. Uh, a local birder discovered the lifeless body of Flacco the Owl. A memorial has been set up at his favorite oak tree on the west side of East Drive on 104th Street. <laughs> he collided with a building on 89th Street. He was able to survive it on his own till the buildings got in the way. <laughs> That's it. Tear down all of the buildings. We can't have these these buildings. We need to tear them down. They're killing the owls. And finally, in the... uh, It is sad news. Uh, Just the way it was worded was humorous to me. And finally, in the uh, broken news, the bizarre story of Tyler Loudon. He's from Houston uh, and pleaded guilty to insider trading. Uh, He admitted... The that he made nearly two million dollars in profits by eavesdropping on his wife's work calls when they were both working remotely (laughs) during the pandemic. His wife is an executive at BP British Petroleum, who is discussing the company's plan to acquire travel centers of America. Uh, and it was a work call, but they were working at home and it, her husband overheard this conversation and said, "Ha ha! I have the chance to make some money. Well, guess what? That's insider information. And according to Business Insider, the Securities and Exchange Commission alleged that Mr. Loudon, without his wife's knowledge, purchased over 46,000 shares of Travel Center stock before the acquisition announcement was made public. Then after the announcement, he sold the shares at a 71% profit, made $1.76 million. The SEC accused him of taking taking advantage of his wife's trust and remote working conditions. Mr. Loudon confessed not only to the crime in court, but confessed to his wife. And she was actually fired from BP for this. She She was dismissed from her job. And uh, she subsequently initiated divorce proceedings. <laughs> so he, he lost his money. He lost his wife. He, this, is a, this is a very bad thing. The SEC reported that Loudon had not contested the allegations and agreed to a partial judgment, including penalties and restrictions on certain senior company roles. But it wasn't him with the senior company role. It was her, and she lost her job. Uh, out of that uh, whole thing. So, wonder what the uh, settlement is going to be like in the divorce. That's a- there you go. That is today's broken news report. I guess uh, this is how you define a bad day. I guess uh, th- that's a, uh, uh, a rather uh, good story in the sense that if that doesn't happen to you today, no matter what goes wrong in your life, uh, then... Things could always be worse, so use that uh, to take some solace in whatever goes wrong for you today. There you go. Today's broken news report, an update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Primary
1: Election Day is March 19th, and WFIN is presenting a series of candidate forums so you can hear from the candidates you'll see on the ballot. Coming up on Monday, the candidates for Hancock County Sheriff, Mike Cortez, Daniel Harmon, and Mark Price. The Candidate Forums, presented by the Hancock County Republican Party. Join us Monday at 5 p.m. live from the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts on 1330 WFIN WFIN.
0: And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. South Carolina presidential primary was held uh, over the weekend. Uh, Nikki Haley lost in her home state by 20 points to Donald Trump. Got another uh, primary coming up this week in the state of Michigan. And a recent survey of 2,000 U.S. adults found that 60% of registered voters already know who they are voting for, not just in the primary, but in the general election in November. 60% say they already know who they're going to be voting for. That's up from 54% in December. 7% of voters say they won't vote for either Biden or Trump. And when it comes to age, it seems like older voters are more committed to their candidates. 67% of voters 65 or older say support for their preferred candidate is very strong. Only 40% of voters under the age of 30 feel that way. So, over the weekend, the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts played host to a terrific show, sold-out show, Sarah Evans. They've got lots of things going on in the month of March Uh, coming up. A a traveling exhibition in the Art Gallery from the Ohio Watercolor Society. Uh, They've got adult dance classes continuing. They've got a big show at the end of March, the Pink Floyd Laser Spectacular. Tickets are... Uh, On sale for that now, but by far the big event, the highlight in March uh, at the uh, MCPA is going to be the youth theater production of Disney's Finding Nemo Jr. And uh, Sam Henry is with us along with uh, Mariko Weiss, uh, who is uh, one of the uh, uh, members of the cast. Uh, Mariko, tell us uh, about your role in Finding Nemo Jr. You are the character
2: of? Um, Dory. Uh-huh. And Dory is a blue tang, and she's very positive, very forgetful.
0: Very forgetful. <laughs> very mm-hmm. forgetful. Um, it has that been a fun uh, a fun role? Is that what you were hoping to the role you were hoping to get going in?
2: Yes, because <laughs> I am a lot like Dory. Maybe not as forgetful. In,
0: oh, I was going to say, in what way are you uh, a lot like Dory?
2: um positive all the time mm-hmm. um but definitely not so forgetful <laughs> <laughs> i
0: would hope not because you'll have you have lines to learn because you know being forgetful in real life would be a problem so yes. you have to pretend like you can't remember when you're remembering your lines so mm-hmm. that's kind of kind of an interesting uh, interesting role what is your what is your favorite part about the show
2: um, well, probably all the lines, the funny lines she says, mm-hmm. especially when she gets um, Nemo's name wrong. Um, <laughs> like she says a bunch of things like Fabio, or <laughs> Harpo,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: it's really funny.
0: Yeah. Um... Now, Sam, give us all of the uh, details on Finding Nemo. This is actually uh, next weekend,
3: is that right? Um, it's-, it's the March 8th and 9th. 8th
0: and 9th. Yes, so it's so right, the right eight- around the corner. Yes. Yeah. On the
3: 8th, we have a show at 7 p.m. And then on the 9th, we have a show at 2 p.m. Okay. Um, the kiddos are working very hard. Tonight is actually the first day that they get to see their set and get to rehearse on that. So that will be fun. And then we'll have rehearsals this week. And then next week we go into what's called tech week, where we get to add all the elements of costumes and microphones and all of that good stuff, and it all comes together. Yeah.
0: Talk a little bit about what makes youth theater uh, so special, these these productions.
3: So youth theater is really special for a lot of the kids. I think it's special as an adult and a teaching artist because we get to kind of use the skills that we have acquired over the years or have been taught ourselves, Mm -hmm. and we do get to pass that on to maybe the next generation. And for the students, um, and I'll let Mariko speak to it a little bit, but I think it is a good experience for them. Not only getting to be on stage and getting to be around other people their right. own age that are interested in the same things, mm-hmm. but it also helps them with public speaking and just interacting with other people and a lot of those life skills. That are important on stage, but are also important off stage as well.
0: Absolutely, and and how involved are the kids in more than just the uh, production of, of being on, on stage? stage. The, the other stuff that goes on behind the scenes.
3: There are a ton of avenues that they can really be involved with. Some of them choose to do hair and makeup. Some of them have been there every weekend building the set that we get to mm-hmm. use this weekend. Um, We have some of our older kids that are taking on like student stage manager roles in this particular production, where they're getting to see a lot of things from the production side of things. And they're constantly saying to me, do we do those things? And I'm like, yes, you do. (laughs) You do. (laughs) Um, So it's, it's a really good experience, no matter how they're involved. Um, And I think with every show, sometimes we have like forty kids on stage, and then we have eighty kids that are involved yeah.
0: overall. Yeah, uh, you you really get the the uh, education as to what all goes into putting a show together for sure, um, for and, sure. And I would imagine there are uh, some there are some kids who uh, kind of naturally gravitate to one area or another, but it gives kids an opportunity to do multiple things.
3: Yes. Um, we've had some kids that I have started out directing on stage that have ultimately only done tech for me in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have kids that go back and forth as well. And I definitely think they find their niche and they kind of stick to that sometimes. And then it's also nice to have them do other things that they've never done before. Maybe
0: a little out of their comfort zone. Yeah, to, for sure. You know, kind of spread their wings, uh, as it were. So, how exciting is it that you actually get to see? the sets for the first time what tonight is that the wow
2: Mm -hmm. well we haven't seen it yet and we have a big cast so i don't know how (laughs) how it's gonna work but i'm excited
0: yeah um so this is a little unusual in that you are actually playing a fish how difficult is that to play a fish
2: um well you don't have to like make your mouth like a fish but you, um you don't have to swim all the time but like mm-hmm. you still have to like move around and stuff
0: yeah the sets are not going to be underwater you're not oh, yeah. actually going to be underwater mm-hmm. but, but you've got to you know uh, come up with the make it believable that you are actually uh, mm-hmm. underwater so this is you know is this your first production or have you been involved in youth theater before
2: yes i've been i've done a lot of youth theater productions since first grade
0: so you're an old yeah. veteran in this. And you are in what grade now? Fifth. Fifth grade. So you've been doing this for a long time. Yes. You. Is that is that part of the fun? I mean, we mentioned that you get to meet a lot of uh, kids from a lot of different schools, a lot of mm-hmm. different ages, made, uh, a lot of new friends, I'm assuming. But uh, those who maybe haven't been in lo- uh, involved for as long as you have. Is that kind of fun to... Yes.
2: Yeah. Because, well... All my friends have like come back over the years and like done shows with me, but I still get to meet new ones.
0: So, uh, so how excited were you when you learned that you're going to do Finding Nemo Junior? Because this is a pretty terrific show.
2: Yes, um, I think this was like my funnest theater show um, because, like, one the part I play because that's
3: really fun, mm-hmm. and like, yeah. it's just a very fun show and I think the kids are having a great job um you brought up about how they're acting like fish um our choreographer has done an awesome job to add in some like fish movements where they're swimming and that sort of thing keep on
0: swimming keep on swimming yes
3: she gets to sing that song (laughs) um but Mariko definitely being in the older age bracket of this particular show in the fifth grade is where this age group stops um the kids definitely look up to her as a leader. She's done a lot of theater, so it's been nice to have the kids really look up to her and mm-hmm. her get to see her be a leader.
0: So, uh, Mariko, this is... Uh, you're kind of aging out of the younger shows uh, that youth theater does, but obviously there are um, shows for older kids as well. You going to uh, continue to keep with that?
2: Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. The Yeah. I feel like... The, um, the older kids do, like, longer shows and bigger shows, mm-hmm. um, and they get, it's like...
0: Are you excited yes. for, for that, or mm-hmm. does, that, does that make you nervous at all? I mean, bigger shows, longer shows, a lot more lines, potentially. Yeah, yeah, well,
2: I might not get in because there's so many older people in it, mm-hmm. but... So it you're was, kind of starting yeah. over.
0: So you're mm-hmm. kind of starting over with the uh the bigger new challenges though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and again uh, I was going to bring up uh that there are opportunities for kids uh, at uh, all ages uh, Yes. In
3: youth um we really do K through 12 um in various aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, we do the larger productions that you see MCPA put on but there are also classes and clubs and all of those types of things for really kids of all ages that are in school to do.
0: If uh, if somebody is interested in learning more about youth theater getting their kids involved their kids have, have expressed an interest uh, in the arts uh, this is a great avenue
3: for that. Yeah I would definitely check out MCPA's website mcpa.org in um, their Facebook page they're very active in both avenues um, so that's really the best place to information
0: and again it's something that we've talked about a number of times when we preview all of the stuff that's going on at the marathon center for the performing arts a lot of the uh, the big shows the sarah evans the pink floyd laser spectacular and all of those those are the ones that kind of grab the headlines but it's the educational aspect of it the things like youth theater and the classes and the programs especially for the youth that really connect uh with the community
3: And They're really accessible um, price-wise and that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. and families can kind of bring all of their kids to see those shows, and I think MCPA does an awesome job of keeping their larger shows accessible for the most part as well. Um, but really, when you're talking about community engagement um, and being able to see your neighbor on mm-hmm, stage, right. this is a great way and a great opportunity to be able to do that. And
0: introducing a whole new generation mm-hmm. to uh, discover a love of the theater. A for love sure. Of performances uh, like Mariko. Uh, Mariko, thanks very much for uh, coming by and visiting with us today. Best of luck uh, with uh, finding Nemo Jr. Thank you. Uh, uh, March 8th and 9th, uh, right? And tickets are on sale now.
3: They are. Um, you can go to mcpa.org and you should be able to get tickets very easily. There's a big button that you can click on. There so no excuse not to get tickets. Yeah, you got
0: to check out this show. It is uh, going to be a great one. And we've got a link up on our webpage. Uh, again, Sam Henry with us uh, from uh, Finding Nemo and Youth Theater. Uh, thanks very much for
3: the on the oh, Thank you. Thank you.
0: And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage, and that, of course, goodmornings.net. I want to remind you to join us this evening for the latest in our candidate forums, featuring the three individuals who are vying to be the next Hancock County Sheriff, that at 5 p.m. tonight from the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. And coming up tomorrow morning on this program, International Night returns to the University of Findlay next month. We'll get a preview. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.